my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Sam Edis. And I'm Amy Nelson. Welcome to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. This is a show about the world's most remarkable women, their professional and personal journeys. Together, we'll hear from gold medalists, best-selling authors, and leaders of the world's most iconic brands. Today, we have Kat Cole on the show. She's spent decades as an executive leader at international brands like Cinnabon, Focus Brands, and Hooters, where she stepped into an executive role in her early 20s. I first met Kat years ago at the Forbes Women's Leadership Conference, and I was blown away by her, both by her experience and her confidence. Although I haven't met her in person, Sam, Kat and I are Twitter friends. Um, we connected on Twitter, and she is an iconic giver of advice and wisdom, and she's someone I learned to listen to pretty quickly. So Kat, you just left a 10-year stint at the helm of Focus Brands. What made you decide to leave? You know, two, two and a half years ago, I felt I had done all that I could you know, and then I kind of looked around at the organization. We were in front of yet another acquisition, which was the acquisition of Jamba Juice. And the there were a few things that sort of sucked me back in for another few years. One was the ability to take a public company private. And I, I realized that in order to set the company up for success, 
even if it were just for what is my legacy, uh, but also things like my own financial investment in the company, there was an opportunity to upgrade many of the leaders, all the presidents of the businesses reported into me. And the businesses needed, not all of them, but many different leaders to shepherd them through the next few years than what the previous years had required. And then COVID hit, and that was definitely another call to lead. And I was so glad that I stayed and just leaned in. I'm so proud of the team and the work we did. And and then, you know, racial reckoning in the country and being a leader in a consumer facing brand through that movement, or at least the peak of that movement, I believe it continues on in beautiful ways today, was also a serious privilege. All of that led me to a place where I thought now really is the time. So how did you help franchisees through COVID? Mm. <laughs> That's a whole podcast episode. Uh, I, I think three, just three headlines. One would be uh, rallying the organization to have radical focus on their behalf. You know, when things are chaotic, um, we seek what we seek more than positivity is stability and clarity. And so we just got clear. We were only focused on two things. We, we were not going to talk about anything if it didn't fit under one or both of these buckets. And that was conservation of cash and protection of people. That was it. You know, that laser focus was liberating. It's like freedom within the framework. And so that gave people calm. It made them feel that there's someone at the steering wheel. The second was highly frequent communication, just staying in touch. You're not alone. What's going on with you? Here's what we are seeing. What are you hearing? Here's what I'm hearing. Here's what you should. So that when things are changing so much, just multiple times a day, touching base. And then the third was um, rallying around those two points of focus and really helping them figure out how to conserve cash. We reduced or completely got rid of royalties and advertising fund and any of their obligations to us. We then would call all the vendors on their behalf and, you know, everybody's got bills to pay, including the vendors, but say, look, I know you charge a monthly fee for this technology. And I know that's what you need to stay in business, but our business is literally shut down. So we need you to do whatever you can for our franchisees. So Kat, how do you in a normal world and through COVID motivate your own team? One way is never forgetting to keep reiterating the mission and the why. Just that mm-hmm. why can keep pulling us up out of the muck. Um, mm-hmm. The second is a regular muscle of iteration around talent. I can't be in the room all the time and yeah. and, sh- and shouldn't be. And the leaders that are fit for tomorrow may or may not be the leaders that are there today. And especially if a company is in high growth, some people on the team absolutely have potential to grow and fill many future levels, but sometimes they don't have the ability to do that fast enough for what the organization needs. And I have those conversations of advising founders of high growth, especially in the technology sector where it's just you know crazy exponential growth, where they're having to sit down and have conversations with team members that have been with them since day one to explain why they're not the person that is going to get that next role, but yet try to do a good job to help them understand what their future is and why to keep them engaged and keep the culture really strong. And other times the right thing to do is to put that person that isn't ready, but has so many other things to give them that opportunity. 
and then sometimes to help people find their their way out. So I want to take you back to the mid-1990s. You're 17 (laughs) years old. You take on a third part-time job at Hooters. Mm -hmm. How did that job impact the course of your life? Um, I mean, radically would be an understatement. With, I mean, no hyperbole. You know, I, I thought it was just like what that is for most people. It's a waitress gig. I'm saving money. I'm paying my way through school. It's nights and weekends. That's it. I mean, that's really all it was. And in less than a year, I was um, helping to support locations outside of my home location. I had worked every job in the restaurant. I'd been a cook, I'd been a bartender, I'd been a manager. You know, it became so much more even before it became this where the international part of the story begins. I was putting myself through school, getting a computer sciences and electrical engineering degree. I had total plans to go on to law school and these grand visions for myself that were close to polar opposite of what I ended up doing. And I was really good at it with less effort than others. And then that collided with the company happening to be in a crazy growth stage and needing existing team members who knew a lot about the business to take on a great deal of responsibility by helping to you know, plant flags, to launch the brand in other countries around the world. And so when I was 19, I was asked to go open the first ever Hooters franchise in Australia. I'd never been on a plane. I did not have a passport. I'd only been out of Florida a couple of times in my life. I mean, I was a small town, small town girl. I mean, Jacksonville is a big spread out city, but anybody who's been there knows it's basically a collection of small towns. And so I went to Sydney and it was so cool. As you can imagine, I was 19, a Hooters girl, you know, divorced parents, like no one of any fancy career to speak of. I don't know how many people in my family actually had ever even been on airplanes. It felt cool, but it felt like a one-time thing. And then I was asked to go to Mexico and launch the franchise there. And then I was asked to go to Argentina and launch the franchise in South America. And before I knew it, I was no longer a member of the team. I was running the team, showing up early, getting the groundwork laid, setting the franchises up, the supply chain, the media, the hiring, and then getting it open. Um, So I was running them and I was failing college because I was never there. So when I was 20, I dropped out. I say I dropped out. I was failing. I chose to not improve that condition. So I dropped out. Uh, How did you catch their eye? I mean, you have all these peers. You're the youngest one there. What was it that made them say, you, Kat Cole, we want you to go to Australia and open this restaurant? Yeah. I mean, it was a team. You know, there were others that were chosen, but it was 10 out of the whole country. And so there were a few things. One was that I, I knew all the jobs. And so if you're going to send someone far away to help with the business, it's pretty efficient uh, to have people know multiple roles. And so I do think the fact that I had by happenstance, just to be helpful when somebody quit or needed to leave their shift early. That's how it all happened. I wasn't trying to assemble a resume of like restaurant jobs. It's just the bartender needed to go home to take care of her kid and the cook got mad and quit or he got fired by the manager because he was smoking pot out back, you know, whatever it was. And I'm like, yeah, I'll fry chicken wings or yeah, I'll shut down the bar. Yeah. And it was all good for me because it was more money, you know, more hours. It was helping me pay Mm -hmm. for college. Uh, And I was super curious to see if I could figure it out. Plus, I've always been a really helpful person. So that's one way. The other was I was very good with my peers. I volunteered to be a trainer. Back in the day when we used to go to restaurants and sit down, and sometimes the server would come over with somebody trailing behind them like a shadow. Ultimately, I didn't get the phone call. The corporate office doesn't have hourly employees' phone numbers. They called the 
the store and said, who are your best employees? Who would you recommend? And Bonnie, who is the, who is a former Hooters girl herself, who had become a general manager of this multi-million dollar casual dining restaurant recommended me. She hired me when I was 17. She treated me like an adult as an employee when I was 18, super soft-spoken, amazing operator. All of this wouldn't have happened if she had not recommended me. Every boss I ever had in that company until I worked for the CEO was a woman. Wow. Everyone. And I, I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't know any different. I mean, it's it may have been focused on female sex appeal and certainly marketed toward males, but that was a, that company was at least at the time run largely by women at the unit level, moving up from within. So by the time I made it to boardrooms, I wasn't trying to figure out how to be a dude. You know, I had seen so many different types of leadership coming from women that reflected their style, their personality I was emboldened and empowered. It was like going to an all-girls business school for a long time. I was so, my cup runneth over with confidence and my ability to show up in the world. And so I didn't waste energy on the things that so many have to spend energy on. And now for a quick break. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans, and yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. 
When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We have to talk about the fact that you are this icon of women's empowerment, but you started out at a brand known for selling burgers using women's sex appeal. Totally. How do you reconcile that contradiction? Yeah, I think, I mean, candidly, when I was 19 years old, there was no conflict. I was having a great time. We were treated with respect. People who were in the restaurant wanted to be there. I wasn't confronted with the very real social consequences and conflict that I would later confront as an executive. I was 26. I became vice president of the company at that time doing five, 600 million in revenue. And I remember going to a few women's conferences when I showed up and gave them my business card and it had this owl on it. I could, I could set my watch by the reaction, like three, two, one. Oh, oh. It was when, to your point, I started leading women's organizations, championing women's efforts that were largely connected to the restaurant industry, of which Hooters was a participant or a member, that I really started to feel that conflict. And I'm a, a deeply reflective person. So when I would feel the conflict or, or some would just challenge me directly, I get it if you're a waitress, but you could go work anywhere as an executive. Well, not really. Not when you're 26 years old. Tell me somebody else who would have given me those opportunities and that scope of responsibility and sent me around the world and given me the diversity of experiences. And at some point, yes, that became true. And eventually, you know, I asked myself because I was challenged by someone when we opened Hooters in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I was challenged on a radio interview by someone who said, you know, how dare you? You're a hypocrite. You are exploiting women. And I thought about it because I had advice from a mentor in Argentina who he said, anytime you're criticized, assume first it's correct and then feel your reaction to it. If, if your reaction is, is visceral then it, it, and it's still no, you can at least then shift to not debating the what and focusing on the why. But if you consider it and you think there's little of this that's true, but maybe there's some of it that's true, then it will keep me from putting my foot in my mouth. And I can acknowledge that there is a legitimate challenge there. And that's what I did in that case. I thought, you know, there is some conflict here and I'm comfortable with acknowledging that. However, even then I thought my pride in what I know we've built internally, like more education for more women, like impact scholarships and funding than any other retail company had done up to that point that were retail companies that were far larger than us. Um, all of the health and awareness and things we did for women and, and me being one example of many, all the women who moved up into these leadership positions, I had so much of that information that my pride in how we did what we did and my gratitude for everything I had received outweighed 
the concern I had over the conflict. Okay. So it sounds like an evolution. I mean, perhaps if, if you'd been offered the position at age 35, you might've taken a different path, but at that point it was your way out. Maybe, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I think I had those moments of revelation where I recognized the conflict and constantly reflected, how does this sit with me? Does it align with my values? How and where should I be spending my time and energy? What are my options? You know, that opening of optionality. And eventually just the right thing came along and and it happened to coincide with these feelings of there is something more. I don't want my whole story to be Hooters. I'm ready to, to move on and create a different chapter. You have an incredible work ethic. Like, why did you have three jobs when you were 17? (laughs) Well, the first job, um, they they layered. (laughs) Um, The first (laughs) job was cleaning. I just didn't know how to quit at that point, I think. It's a skill. We should talk about that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So the first job was cleaning gym equipment. And that was because we were poor and I um, I needed a membership at a gym for my track and cheerleading. I couldn't afford the gym membership. I had shifts. I had to go clean the equipment and then I got a free membership and I could go work out. So I kept doing that through my sophomore to freshman all the way through being a senior. In 10th grade, I layered on being a salesperson at a women's clothing store in the mall because that allowed me to make money and I needed money for a car and insurance. And I got also a 50% discount on clothes. And and then I was recruited to go work at Hooters. But I loved, I I needed the discount on clothes. And I was very good at it. I made top tier commissions because I would always surpass my minimum sales amount when I was 16 and 17. Um, And I loved it. Eventually, when I layered in being a hostess, I started being late for the jobs because I would layer them on top of each other and then couldn't make it from one to the other. And Bonnie... The general manager I talked about who hired me sat me down when I was 18, first person ever to just treat me like a legitimate adult and outside of my mom. And she sat me down and she said, look, I love you. You're great with people. You're awesome with your peers, but we have a job to do and you're late two out of four days. And if you're going to be, then we should just part ways. If you can figure out a way to focus on this, I'd, I'd love to give you more responsibility. And that was it. I quit my, my mall job. So your mom has always been a pivotal figure in your life. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about what happened when you were nine years old and how that changed everything. Yeah. When I was nine, my mom came to me and said, that's it. I'm done. We're leaving. And what she meant was we were leaving my dad. My dad was an alcoholic, super sweet man, but never home. I was in car accidents with him, cheating, the fighting, like all, you know, all of that. And here my mom is with three young girls at the time, three, six, and nine, and doing it all on her own for years. This went on for years. All sides of the family were very poor, except my dad had a fancy job. We had a middle-class lifestyle in those early days. And all the people on other sides of the family would say, you're so lucky to have a house. You're so lucky to have two cars you know, dealing with the alcoholism and all the stuff that comes with it is a small trade-off. Like it was easy for people to say that from the outside and they convinced her, she allowed herself to be, to reinforce the, the comfort of economic security in exchange for what was becoming a compromise of our safety. And eventually just, it happened just one day too many, you know, it wasn't some catastrophic thing. When she told me that we were leaving, 
I did not cry and I did not get upset. I looked at her at the age of nine and said, what took you so long? And I can only imagine what that was like for her to receive people who are close to the action in business. It's the transaction. In this case, it's the little girl who was in car accidents crying in her room because the parents are fighting. The people who are closest to the action know what the right thing to do is long before the leader does. And But the issue is people close to the action don't have the language to articulate the problem or the solution, and they don't have the authority to do anything about it, at least at scale. Sometimes the very reinforcement you need or the detail or the inspiration or the motivation to make that tough call is right under your nose, but you've just got to stay close to it. And, um, And so that inspired me. I became obsessed with the truth. Not like lies versus truth, but true truth, like people's lived experiences. When I was a head of the training department at Hooters, we would have these workshops where managers and franchisees would come in to learn how to run a restaurant. And on the break, I would sit in the bathroom stall after I was done using the restroom, just so I could hear what the, of course, it was only the women at the time. Um, This was before all gender bathrooms. I would hear their perspectives and one would complain about the snacks. So I would change the snacks. They would say the music sucks on the breaks. I would change the music. They would talk about somebody in the class that was distracting them. So I would on my own pay attention uh, in the next session and then address it on my own, like never using what I heard for evil, you know, only for good. It was just like, I just want to know because they were more important than me. Like my true North was their experience. And if that's true, then I can remove the ego from whatever I hear and just like get better and better and better and better. When I take over businesses, I go straight to the employees. I work with them. I ride in trucks. I talk to them, to customers, you know, that applying it very literally being close to the action and the transaction helps me figure out my my compass and my roadmap for the organization more quickly than most leaders. So you arrived at Cinnabon and obviously going into a new culture is very hard. What was that transition for you like as a leader and how did you get everyone to follow you where you wanted to take everything? I mean, it was, you know, it's a mall and airport based brand or was at, in the heart of the recession. So sales were in the toilet. Like it was, sales were far worse then than they have been now through COVID. I mean, it There's just no traffic. And um, the franchisees were tired, most of them mom and pop operators, as I mentioned. And they were starting, I diagnosed pretty quickly the illness that was plaguing the company, other than the recession, um, was a deficit of belief. And so I recognized that had the business been stronger going into the recession, better technological investment, keeping up with the brick and mortar, selecting better franchisees, holding, you know, all the things you're supposed to do just because it's good business. If that had been going on, the brand would have weathered the recession far better. So it wasn't good going into the recession, even though the sales were decent, you know, sales can hide a lot. Sales can be there for other reasons. Franchisees were jacking up prices. You know, they were doing things that made it look good enough. And then when the tide receded, there was a demand shock. It's like, oh, our prices are too high. We don't have good managers. Our buildings are old. You know, it just reveals all of this. Mm -hmm. So I often joke that the private equity firm took a chance on someone so young because they're like, she can't make it worse. (laughs) You know, give her a shot. Um, (laughs) I, I, um, so there were a few things that I did. One is because the diagnosis was a deficit of belief, I needed to lead with belief. And my belief was genuine it's a delicious freaking product. Like it's 
amazing. So many businesses have to market their way out of an average product. This was a delicious, world-class, insane, not to ever be duplicated baked good. So amazing. Um, and that recipe never changed. So it was always this amazing thing that could and should be celebrated. So I just have to pipe in and ask how many Cinnabons you ate regularly while you were at the company. Was it like every day or? Multiple times a day, because when I'm visiting <laughs> these restaurants, I'm not going to be the asshole leader that shows up and is like, I'm not going to eat that. You know, like I want to eat what you made. You know, I want to taste it. I want to tell you. And I'm, I'm, I've got a super sweet tooth. The people I would tour restaurants with, the other more seasoned executives that are more of the typical age of people in these roles were like, you are going to keel over if you keep eating like that. I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but then I would go eat egg whites for dinner. Balance. And, and so, you know, I just, I believed, I went on television and said, this is a billion dollar brand. It, it is, and it was, but no one was telling the story that way. And I used what the media wanted. The media wanted to talk about me being a Hooters girl. They didn't want to talk about Cinnabon. And so I was like, all right, at first I didn't love it because that's not the company I was with anymore. Mm -hmm. Then I realized this is the only thing that's opening the door to national yeah. media. So I don't care why the door opens. I'm going to walk through it, but I'm going to find a way to talk about Cinnabon. And it took probably no more than 90 days, maybe four months for the, the conversations to be like 50% being female and a Hooters girl and so young and then wedging in Cinnabon wherever I could. By the end of a quarter, it was 70, 80% Cinnabon. And then my backstory became a footnote. So I was incredibly proud of myself for using what I brought to the table as a person, as a wedge in the door to then open it to shine light on the brand, which helped us recruit talent and recruit franchisees. And it drove sales. And then I did Undercover Boss. What was and, that like? Which is super risky, by the way, because you have no editorial control. It was, it was awesome. But you film for 15 days and it gets edited down to 42 minutes. There is a lot left on the cutting room floor. It's real. It's not scripted, but it is highly edited and you don't have any control and no preview of what it ends up being. So it's a, it was a personal risk for me that paid off big time for the brand. So how did it pay off for the brand? Literally sales. <laughs> I mean, like the, the awareness, <laughs> every time it would air, people were going to the locations right. in the malls. I saw you guys on Undercover Boss and the employees, the coolest part was the employees were like our episodes on. Our, my mom saw our episode, you know, it was so, I mean, un undercover boss is profiling the boss, but so much of the heart of it is the employees, you know, are, are the employees that are profiled. And now for a quick break. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry, the Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's your personal story as an adult? We've talked a lot about work in your 20s and 30s, but like, what about life? Oh my God, life has been so juicy. <laughs> I, I, um, you know, I, I'm 42 now. I met my husband five and a half years ago and I'd been in an 11 year relationship before that. And, and then traveled around the world as a 19 and 20 year old. So my life was very, very juicy. It was awesome. I mean, I have lived such a full, full life personal, like so many all-nighters, I can't even tell you. Um, and I'm just really proud of that. I'm proud that I had fun. I'm proud that I partied. I'm glad I met amazing men and women around the world, like just so awesome. And and I had several years, which people don't talk about a lot, where I was dedicated personally to humanitarian work all around the world, but in particular in Eastern Africa. I was in Rwanda and Ethiopia um, multiple times a year for years, mentoring women, doing work in village transformation. I think the last five years are particularly important um, because they really are the season I'm still in personally. Um, I met my husband. I had been out of my long-term relationship for six months. He had been out of a long-term relationship for about a year. Neither of us were looking. I was like, I'm going to have a lover on every continent and I am going to be so fabulous. <laughs> and it may be a man, it may be a woman, who knows? Like, this is going to be amazing. You know, I just was so full of life and um, the the openness to whatever love or family may be, like recreated from scratch. Then I met my husband at an event for socially minded business people. And we had a one night stand. So we thought, and two months later, we were proposing to each other in two, within two to three weeks. And, um, two months later, he left to go row across the Atlantic ocean in a rowboat. He's a ultra endurance athlete and ocean rower. 
And I'd never even heard of that. I'm like, he came back from the row, you know, 45 days at sea crossing the Atlantic. And a few months later, we tattooed our rings. We got married at Burning Man that year, not even a year after we had met, made a baby in Africa on a belated honeymoon over the holidays. And now we have our son, Ocean, who's a little over three, and our daughter, Arrow, who's 16 months. And all in between there, just lots of life, you know, miscarriages, several um, health scares, unexpected surgeries, activism in my city, my amazing city of Atlanta, my husband moving here from New York, him changing jobs in the tech industry and recreating his whole professional path. Just, you know, just life. A lot of my mom having breast cancer and now five, just now five years past it, just so much, um, personal life, lots and lots of life all packed yeah. into to five years. Let's begin the lightning round. What book are you reading? I am rereading It's About Damn Time. What's your morning routine? Wake up before my husband, usually. Coffee, French press, Ethiopian coffee only. Quiet, little bit of writing. Babies wake up around six, between 6.30, 6.45. Get both babies Husband wakes up after that morning is protected for family time until my toddler goes to school. No exercise. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite TV show? Whatever my husband's watching. I'm not a big TV person, but it's an opportunity for us to just have neutral brain time together. We just rewatched uh, Game of Thrones. Who leaves you starstruck? Behind the scenes workers. Like I, I will never not be in awe of people who are just like grinding it out. You know, I, uh, it, when we were traveling a lot, every airport worker pulling bags, working the gate, I would go out of my way to say, thank you so much. If they're cleaning the bathroom, thank you so much for your service. I'm so grateful for a clean bathroom. Okay. Our colleague Lou Burns has been listening. He offers our male perspective and always comes in with our final Oh, question. Lou, what's up? Hi, Kat. Hi. The way you make people feel, I, I, I bet is extraordinary. Oh, you know, thank and, but, you. But it all comes back to that one person who believed in you and who didn't shortchange you, who, who, who when they had the opportunity to lift somebody up, they said, Kat Cole. So my question is, have you been somebody else's Bonnie? Mm, man, I, I sure hope so. I mean, yes, many, many, many. Um, and what I find is that I'm someone else's Bonnie to people who aren't necessarily in the place to believe in themselves and say yes in the way that I was. And, and on one hand, that breaks my heart a little bit. And on the other hand, I'm like, you're exactly the right person to for me to have this conversation with, or to say, why don't you try this? And here's what you should think about. And don't, don't respond to me with the list of things you don't have or aren't good at reframe it and say, this is what I'll need to be successful. Are you willing to give that to me? And that I know, and I hope I continue that that is the, that I can put energy around that community, not the people who are already willing to say yes, because with all the tools and all the things out here, I find that more and more people are kind of finding their way or they're building their own tables, which is beautiful, but rather helping people see that they are capable of far more than they know and giving them just a little bit of a technique to help them step into their own light. Wow. 
Hey, hey, does 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 Bonnie get a Christmas card? Bonnie gets a phone call. <laughs> What's Bonnie doing today? Bonnie's in Atlanta. She's continued to be an executive in the restaurant industry over the years. There's another woman named Kimmy who was my first vice president at Hooters, who a story for another day. I had an eating disorder for a period of time when I was in my young, uh, early 20s and they noticed and sat me down and got help and they caught it so quickly because we were so close that unlike many who battle that, whether it's body dysmorphia or bulimia or anorexia, um, we caught it early enough and I was confronted with what would be the impact and was able to come out of that dysfunction for me in in a relatively quick time frame over a matter of months. And that's something people typically battle for a lifetime. You know, these women who like had the courage and the confidence to lead, but the humility and the curiosity to care and be deeply involved, they are primers for leadership to me. So to your question, I try to pay that forward by being that, at least that, um, to others. There are so many things in this interview that struck me. I can't wait to be a listener just so I can actually take notes. One thing was that when she said, when you hear criticism, it's important not just to be defensive, but to think there might be a germ of truth in that criticism and how can I improve? I I liked that one. It was a lesson for me too. But for me, the biggest takeaway was the statement that she made that the people closest to the action know what to do long before the leaders do. And I loved that. And she followed it up by saying, it's really hard to get the people closest to the action to trust the leaders enough to tell them and think there'll be results. So that just led me down this path of thinking how as you're building your startup with Park Place Payments or the Riveter, do we create a culture where that's what's happening, where the people close to the action trust us enough to tell us, to help us get to the other side more quickly. And those two things are combined, right? Because if you're a leader who can't take criticism, then people are afraid to share the truth with you. So there is a connection between those two pieces of advice. I also loved hearing about Bonnie and what she did when Kat was 17 and she sat her down and said, unless you take this seriously and show up on time, you can't stay in this job. I love how candid she was, but also strong. I mean, and caring, right? I mean, that's a sign of a great leader. She was amazing. I know we talked about Bonnie a lot, (laughs) but uh, to me, so I had that boss when I was 21. I was working at the Carter Center in Atlanta and my boss, Laura Newman, who I actually talked to on the phone this week. Um, I showed up late for work my third week, and she said to me, we, we take work very seriously here, so you need to come on time. She once sent me home because my skirt was too short, and she was right, <laughs> because it was just, I was I was a senior in college. And then, and then the last thing she said to me is I messed up once, and she said, you're going to mess up all the time in your career. Just own it, apologize, and figure out how not, not to make the same mistake again. And after that, I was never afraid to own my mistakes. And you can get so much further, so much faster. I think that's such a great lesson. We all screw up, right? So you say, I'm sorry. And there's no one who's going to be Mm -hmm. upset with you if you own your mistake and apologize. But as soon as you're defensive, back to defensiveness again, it's really hard to learn. So you don't want to be that defensive person that no one can criticize or give really good feedback to. Agreed. Thanks for listening to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. We would so appreciate if you would leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, connect with us on social media at What's Her Story Podcast. What's Her Story with Sam and Amy is powered by my company, The Riveter, at theriveter.co and Sam's company, Park Place Payments, at parkplacepayments.com. 
Thanks to our producer and editor, Laurel Moglin, our podcast associate, Phoebe Cranefuss, and our male perspective, Lou Burns. Will you ever run for office? You never know. You, um, you, you know, should. you never know. I get asked a lot. And I used to, you know, typical person younger, I used to say, you know, absolutely not. Um, and then that evolved to, I'll always go wherever I'm, is my highest and best use, which I believe is the private sector, because I can put capitalism to good work and change the face of it and lean in. And I, I, my mind has evolved. I do, you know, as I think about my husband and my family, um, those who put that on the back burner for the good of the country are angels. And I don't know that I'm in that place right now. I'll do everything that I can, which is a lot and has been more in 2020 than it's ever been as it should have been without putting my family at risk. So I'm not in that place, you know, where I'm like, that is the hardest thing that that's part of the equation. Now. Yes. That's not how it's supposed it's to be. It's not how it's but supposed it, to but be. But it absolutely is. And so I'll, I will keep pushing. You're an amazing leader. Thank and you. I, you know, and I, I truly believe as someone who's worked in politics and now in business that we need a lot of amazing business leaders in politics as well. People who've, who've worked on the restaurant floor and people who've managed teams. And I think, you know, we would all gain a lot. I do think to Kat's point, though, there is also something logistical. I mean, when you have kids under age five, I always call it the maintenance years. It's hardcore manual labor. And then in five or 10 years, that will look very different. Yeah. But in this in this virtual world, I'm putting it out there. If the administration needs something that I can help with, committees, projects, I am all in to be helpful in any way. That is, that is appropriate for me. And maybe that's a little easier to do in 21, you know, with the world that we're in. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed... <laughs> Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. 
and you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.